We come to uh, the time in our service that is one of the most important reasons that we gather together, and that is the time that we share to bear one another's burdens, to lift up uh, those in our community and our congregation who are in need of a healing touch from Christ this morning. And so uh, if you would go with me to the Lord in prayer this morning. Gracious God, we thank you that we can come before you as beloved children and know that we are heard, that you care about every aspect of our lives, God, that you hear us and that you answer us. And so, God, uh, we lift up those in need of your healing touch this morning in our community. We pray for uh, those who are grieving loss. During this Christmas time, we pray for those who are uh, in need of healing from injury and illness. God, we pray for those whose relationships need healing as well. And God, we know that uh, sometimes the words are hard to find. Um, and so we lift up just the names of those situations this morning. God, that we would like you to intercede on behalf of. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. The Tritico family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Desmond O'Connor. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For Tia Johnson this morning. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Alexis and Jessica. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. John Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And God, we thank you that you are our great physician. You are our healer peace, peace that surpasses all understanding, even in the midst of our trials and tribulations, God. So help us to lean on you in those times and help us to trust you and to leave our future in your capable hands. And God, when we are unsure of the words to say, thank you that you gave us words so long ago through your son, Jesus Christ, who said, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. I'd like to invite our kids to come forward for a children's time this morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? Are you going to sit on the stool? Very cool, very cool. All right. Well, I have a confession to make. So I stuffed the children's folders for our service this week, and you guys told me during Sunday school today that there was a problem with the ornaments that I had put in there. I had put in this little craft. What was it that happened with the ornaments? It didn't stick. 
They didn't stick. The jewels that you're supposed to stick on them didn't stick. They were too old, and so they didn't stick right. It just didn't go according to plan. Sometimes during the Christmas holidays, and I bet most of the adults in here would have a story about something that didn't go according to plan uh, during Christmas time. For example, this one time, we were making a gingerbread house. Have y'all ever made a gingerbread house? Okay. We're making a gingerbread house, and it's harder than it looks. And if you don't get the icing just right, sometimes what can happen to a gingerbread house? <laughs> exactly. It'll just collapse. And so it doesn't look right. It doesn't stay together. And so collapse, what does collapse mean? Well, so tastes good. It still tastes good. Exactly. Right? Then you just get to eat all the candy, right? Um, and so have you ever seen those pictures of a gingerbread house that fell in on itself and so they just add like a dinosaur attacking it and like make it look like it was on purpose? <laughs> That's my favorite when you put the toy dinosaur on top of the gingerbread house because then it's supposed to be that way, right? You just kind of make the best of a situation that didn't go according to how you thought it was going to go, right? Yes. Candy is good for you. <laughs> Candy is good for you. So I, I would agree with that sometimes, yes. Um, but the Israelites in today's story in our scripture were in a situation that was not ideal. They were exiled to Babylon. They were no longer in Jerusalem in their home city and they were taken away and they were in this situation. And one of the prophets said, you know what? Sometimes you just got to make the best of it. The prophet Jeremiah said, you know what? You still got to keep on going right? And so that's what our story is about today, and that's what we're going to continue talking about when we go get our Bible buddies today and start our new Advent calendars during Children's Church. Are you guys ready for that? All right. Well, let's pray. Will you guys pray with me this morning? All right. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us. Help us to trust you even when things don't go the way we'd like. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's head to Children's Church. Yeah, that's that's an understatement that things did not go right. Let's read about it. We are, uh, if you are uh, visiting with us, we use a thing called the Narrative Lectionary, which uh, goes through the Bible from Genesis to uh, probably not Revelation all the way, but but close to it. We're going to work our way through the story. And uh, we are in the prophets right before uh, the birth of Jesus uh, is where we are in the narrative reading. And so we are in the prophet Jeremiah today. Uh, we're going to be reading sections of chapter 29, chapters 31, and chapters 33. Uh, listen now for a word from the Lord. This is what the eternal commander of heavenly armies and God of Israel says to those he exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, make homes for your families because you are not coming back to Judah anytime soon. Plant gardens and eat the food you grow there. Marry and have children. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they can have children. During these years of captivity, let your families grow and not die out. Pursue the peace and welfare of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to me, the eternal, for Babylon, because if it has peace, you will live in peace. Look, I am the eternal. I'm sorry, that's the wrong reading. 
Uh, Look, the days are coming when I will bring about a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors long ago when I took them by the hand and led them out of slavery in Egypt. They did not remain faithful to that covenant, even though I loved and cared for them as a husband. This is the kind of new covenant I will make with the people of Israel when those days are over. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will people have to teach each other or encourage their family members and say, You must know the eternal. For all of them will know me intimately themselves, from the least to the greatest of society. I will be merciful when they fail and forgive their wrongs. I will never call to mind or mention their sins again. Look, the days are coming when I will fulfill the promise I made to the people of Israel and Judah. In those days, when the time is right, I will cause a righteous branch to sprout from the old stump of David's lineage. He will do what is right and just in the land. In those days, Judah will be liberated and Jerusalem will live in safety and the city will be called by his name. The eternal is our righteousness. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to God. Let's pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen and amen. So here's the question that I want to pose to you today. What happens when your Advent season, remember Advent means uh, arrival or coming, it, it is this period in which you are waiting for God to come and do what God said he was going to do, to 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 rescue you from whatever situation you're in. For us, we are awaiting the arrival of Jesus, the second coming of Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Clean this whole place up. We need you. What happens when your advent, whatever it is you're waiting for, goes from bad to worse? It's already a bad situation. We're already in this waiting period. God, come rescue us. What happens when it gets worse? That's the question today. Last week, we were hanging out with Habakkuk. And Habakkuk was kind of griping and complaining to God about how within the city of Jerusalem, folks were just being nasty to each other. Uh, you know, there was, there was violence and bloodshed and cheating and lying and stealing and killing. And he said, how, do, how long do I have to look at this? And on top of this, we got the Babylonians outside the city wall and they're threatening our security. How long, oh God? And it was in this scenario that Habakkuk, kind of strengthened himself in the Lord and chose hope. Even though things are bad, I'm going to choose to wait with hope. And we kind of talked about how that can be our choice too, but that has to come from the Lord. That strength to hope in bad times has to come from the Lord. I got to tell you, just a few years after this, things went from bad to worse uh, because the Babylonians did in fact infiltrate the city They came in. First thing they did was they took Israel's king, Judah's king, took him off the throne, and they carted him and his wife and all of the court officials and all the leaders and all the artisans and all the craftsmen and all the elite folks carted them off to Babylon. And then they put their own king on the throne, a puppet king, and they said, you may continue, but you're now under our rule and you will do what we say. 
And for the next 10 years, this was the reality. Kind of functioning, but not really functioning over the shadow, under the shadow of the Babylonians the whole time. And after 10 years, the Babylonians finally said, okay, we're done with you. They came in. They knocked down the city walls. They destroyed the city. They knocked down the temple. And they took everybody to Babylon, except for the poorest of the poorest of the poor were left to kind of scrape together some kind of life in the desolate city. And things had gone from bad to worse in the period of about 15 years since Habakkuk chose hope in the period of waiting. And so now the prophet Jeremiah, who chose to stay back in the destroyed city of Jerusalem, decides he's going to write a letter of encouragement to the exiles in Babylon. And he composes this letter and says, look, this is what God is saying. And he's got some advice for them. First thing he wants them to know is some folks are thinking that this might be over in a couple years. That somehow God is going to miraculously come and rescue them in two or three years. And Jeremiah says, that's not the case. My gut tells me this is going to be more like 70 years. And so I need you to like settle in, get settled. And this is his advice to them. In exile, settle down. Build houses, plant gardens, have babies, celebrate birthdays, get married, live your life. Live your life. This is his way of saying, do not give up living. Yes, things have gotten worse. Yes, you are mad and you are sad and you're angry and frustrated. Yes, you're in a bad situation, but do not let yourselves die out. Keep on living your lives. Because God is with you. Now this is probably a, a pretty tall order. I don't know what that would feel like. I've never been carted uh, away from a foreign power. I've never been forced out of my home and, and forced to live in another place. I can't imagine what that would be like. But we get a little glimpse of maybe what it felt like in Psalm 137. Because somebody composed Psalm 137 after this happened. And this is what they said. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we thought of Zion, our home, so far away. On the branches of the willow trees we hung up our harps and hid our hearts from the enemy. And the men that surrounded us made demands that we clap our hands and sing songs of joy from days gone by, songs from Zion, our home. Such cruel men taunted us, haunted our memories, how could we sing a song about the Lord in a land so foreign while still tormented, brokenhearted, and homesick? How indeed is one to accomplish going about life, business as usual, when something so drastic has changed, something so horrible has happened? But Jeremiah doesn't stop there. This is not all he says. He says, I want you to go ahead and seek the shalom of Babylon. Do you know that word shalom? It's a Hebrew word that sometimes we translate as peace, which is close, but it's also safety and prosperity and well-being and wholeness and contentment. Shalom is like the fullness of life. And what Jeremiah is saying incredibly is, I want you to work toward Babylon's peace and prosperity and contentment. Cultivate as much as possible an atmosphere of peace in Babylon while you wait. 
It's a tall order. This week has been a doozy. I know I say that a lot. It's been a hard week. This one's really been a hard week uh, because yesterday several of us were down in Houston for a special called session of the annual conference in which we as a body voted to allow 294 churches to leave the United Methodist Church from our conference. About 49% of our conference, almost 50% of our churches left yesterday. And I can't tell you how strange that was. It was a day of sadness. It was a day of anger. I was angry. There were moments in which the bishop kind of got choked up. There were periods where people were praying in tears and people were weeping around the room. I was aware that some of the folks that I have gone to conference with year after year after year will no longer be there when I go to conference next time. Pastors that I know, churches that I know, will no longer be there. In fact, after the vote was completed, half of the people got up and walked out of the meeting. They said, we're finished. We accomplished what we wanted to accomplish, and we're gone. It was a terrible day. And I've never been divorced, but I... I, I felt like in some sense I was signing divorce papers yesterday. Like I don't want this divorce, but it's kind of being forced and happening and now they need my signature and so I've got to give my approval for this. And so we did. We did. And the one thing that I could be grateful for in all of that yesterday is that our conference at least, this is not true for every conference, but in our conference we had this feeling that, yes, this is a bad situation, this is uh, terrible, it's sad, but let's not make it any worse by fighting each other. Let's not make it any worse by throwing punches or uh, by, by saying mean and rude things. And so we actually had 97% of the people who could vote yesterday voted for this to happen. When they took the vote, 97% of the people stood up to say, this is bad, but okay. And so what we were doing in that moment, I felt like, was trying to cultivate an atmosphere of peace in the room. It's bad enough. Let's not make it any worse by fighting unnecessarily. Let's just do what needs to be done. And we did. And I'm aware that sometimes the world can be just so dang cruel and unfair that the temptation can be to hang up your harp on the willow tree and say, I can't sing anymore. I'm done singing. To just kind of give up on living your life. Worse yet, the temptation can be to stop trying to bring peace into the world and just to wait on Jesus. I mean, that's the whole reason we hope for Jesus to come back. This world is messed up, Lord. It's messed up and it continues to be messed up and it ain't going to fix itself. So, Lord, just come back and fix it. What difference can small amounts of kindness and peace do in the scope of the, the whole thing? Sometimes it feels like I, I'm just going to sit down and be done. Just let the world go up and just wait for Jesus to come back. This was kind of the attitude of some of the, the first Christians in that first century as more and more people 
came to faith in Christ and persecution from the Romans began to increase. And then maybe some persecution from the Jews as, as Christianity and, and, and Judaism began to kind of go its separate way. And some of the Christians said, well, Jesus is coming back any day now. What, what's the point of doing anything? And so they quit their jobs and they locked themselves in their houses and they just kind of sat there and waited. And Paul had some strong words for them said several things in several of his letters, but in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, this is, this is what he says. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, stay firmly planted. Be unshakable. Do many good works in the name of God. Know that all your labor is not for nothing when it is for God. Keep working toward the good and know that the work that you do will not go in vain it's going to mean something it's going to count for something don't quit your jobs and lock yourself in your house there's work still to be done even if jesus comes back tomorrow do the work bishop nt wright one of my favorite authors written several books wrote this book called surprised by hope i was fortunate enough to go to a conference he was speaking at and uh I told him how much this book meant to me, and he signed it for me. It was just a great day. But this is a book where he kind of talks about uh, rethinking what it means for Jesus to come back someday and what that means for the church in the meantime. And he looked at 1 Corinthians 15, 58, especially that part where Paul says, the work that you do now will not be in vain. It's going to count for something. And this is what he said about that. He says, what you do in the present... By painting and preaching and singing and sewing and praying and teaching and building hospitals and digging wells and campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself, all of this will last into God's future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present life a little less beastly and a little more bearable. All of this will find its way through the resurrecting power of God into the new creation that God will one day make. I love that. I love that. This idea that when Jesus comes back, he's not just going to like burn it all and start over new. He's going to look at the ways in which we brought peace into the world and say, I can use that, I can use that, I can use that, that, that. And all of that collectively, you go, well, what can I do? And Jesus says, just like the widow with two mites, it's enough. I'll take it. Right? This idea that somehow, some way, the beauty that we bring into the world now will be folded up and incorporated into this beautiful masterpiece in the end. And so Jeremiah encourages those waiting in exile do not be idle. Don't hang up your harps. Don't give up on life. Seek peace in the place that you find yourself. Yeah, it sucks, but seek peace. Keep on living. And then, as prophets always do, they have a word of encouragement, right? They always have advice. They always have a, a little bit of a critique, and then they have some words of encouragement. He knows that they need it. It's going to be a tough task to, to, to live your life and to seek the peace of Babylon after what just happened. But here's what he says. In the future, in the future, 
God will enter into a new covenant with His people. And this will not be like the covenant that He made before when He brought you out of Egypt. This time, when He delivers you, He will bring a covenant in which He reaches into your hearts and does a supernatural work. So that no longer will people have to teach one another about the Lord. They will know the Lord intimately. They won't be reading laws written on stone tablets by Moses. It will be imprinted on their heart. This is the new covenant that God's going to bring. And with that, He's going to wipe away all sins. Clean slate, fresh start, never to remember them anymore. That day is coming. He says, that's not all. God is going to raise up a king. And this king will be born from David's line. But he won't be a king like all the other kings. This king will rule with fairness and equity. And he will liberate God's people. And he will bring shalom and safety. These are the things you can look forward to as you're waiting in your bad, bad situation. So, what do we do when things go from bad to worse? We've already strengthened ourselves in the Lord and we're clinging to hope. But things just got worse, Lord. Now what do I do? What does God expect from us? How are we to wait? We are to keep working toward peace and shalom for all. Even those we disagree with. We are to bring beauty into the world one small act at a time, not because it makes the waiting period go by faster or makes it more tolerable as we wait, although that's probably true too. It's because we are contributing somehow, some way to that final draft of eternity. That's awesome. That's awesome. You see, what we do and how we wait right now really does matter. It really matters. And so I'm asking you, this Advent season, as the shopping craziness gets uh, worse and worse, as traffic gets worse and worse, I'm asking you to show a little extra kindness this year, to go the extra distance, to avoid petty arguments. Some of these family get-togethers are going to be hard. I'm going to ask you to avoid petty family arguments. Be patient and kind. Do not give up living life to the fullest and continue to pray, Come, Lord Jesus, come. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Folks, I hope that this year uh, will be different for you, uh, that as bad things unfold around us, you know, we had this terrible tragedy in Paradise, Texas yesterday. You know, stuff is bad, and, and it will continue to be bad in parts, but we are called to continue to bring moments of beauty and truth and life and peace into this world, and it matters. It really matters, okay? So try your best to do that this year. With that, will you grab the hand of the person next to you and receive this blessing? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you are perfectly loved. You're completely forgiven and uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out into the world and live as God's faithful children. And as you do, you're probably going to make some mistakes because we all do. But I need you to know when you make those mistakes, there's nothing, nothing you can do that would make God love you any less. 
Because God's love for us is not based on our performance. It's rooted in His amazing grace, and it is by grace that He says, Beloved, I love you just as you are. And I love you too much to leave you there. And so we pray that God would continue to make us into the likeness of Jesus as we depart from this place and until we meet again. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go in peace. Amen.